This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. Patience a terrible definition. It implies literally someone who's passive, who is just a recipient of information and care. I call them resumers. You know, they're in there trying to, I'm making a pit stop, if you will, and I'm trying to resume my life and get in and out of that situation in as pleasant a spirits as possible. That's the voice of Vince Parry. He's the president and chief branding officer at Parry Branding Group. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. And I'm Michael Momsen. So, Michael, interesting conversation today with a healthcare branding expert. Yes, yeah. It was really great to go through how do you make healthcare a great customer experience because it's actually pretty tough like you're coming into that with an ailment and you don't necessarily want to be delighted you actually want to be restored back to to normal so how, how do you make that journey and how do you make that experience really great yeah absolutely so today we talked to vince about the emotional journey that people go on during their healthcare journey and we also delve deep into the healthcare customer journey there's multiple stakeholders doctors pharmacies how do brands and also patients deal with this really complicated process. One of my favorite things about the show is that if you're in healthcare, you're going to love it. So from pharmacy to doctor to GP to uh, someone who works within the hospital industry, but actually all industries are going to get so many wonderful takeaways here as we really, really unpack how do you deliver a delightful experience. So we started off our conversation with Vince by asking him to, I guess, explore the difference between healthcare products and consumer goods. Healthcare is is a funny field because what are people buying when they buy healthcare? They're really buying a restoration of self. So illnesses compromise their identity in some way. And so the carrot, if you will, would be to create a customer experience where you create a pathway back to your normal self or as normal a self as you can be. And that's the customer journey in healthcare. Uh, for the patient, very specifically, the pathway and the, the the pathway for a good customer experience is to create a pathway back to where they were before they got sick, and they'll easily take that journey. And uh, the more you show them that you fit into their lives in ways where they don't have to radically alter their behavior, like the, in, I don't know about you guys, but clinics are popping up now, uh, walk-in clinics where you could just walk in, and the clinic is next to the dry cleaners. So here, you know, or the or the pharmacy or the the delicatessen where we buy. I'm a New Yorker, so we go to delis. <laughs> um, uh, so you're not changing the way they they don't have to go to a hospital and take a the subway or a taxi to go to the hospital and wait for half an hour or whatever the case is. Here's a great example of how they've come to the customer and made the journey, saying, "You lead this normal life. We're not going to disrupt that. We're going to be on your list of stopping points today." Um, you go to the delicatessen, you go to the dry, dry cleaners, the grocery store, and you stop in and get your blood pressure checked or renew a prescription or do something along those lines. So um, I'd say first and foremost, the customer experience is really about um, fitting into people's lives. You don't have to come and meet us or you don't even have to meet us halfway. We're going to meet you at least you know, seven-eighths of the way. 
Vince, can we maybe unpack that a little in terms of the experience journey that I have as a consumer? So I, you know, have an issue, whether it be as small as a, a sore throat or, a, you know, a throbbing toe to something that's maybe a bit more sinister, the beginning of diabetes or something, you know, potentially worse. And then I, I go on a, on a journey to find a remedy for that. Like you said, it's not a celebrated purchase, like me buying a nice pair of shiny shoes or something that I'm going to really love or that new iPhone and I feel great about it. It's really taking me back, like you said, to a a restoration of self. It's taking this ailment away. Can you talk us through what is an ideal experience then from the moment where I say I want to do something about this? Um, You know, how should healthcare as as an overall industry? It's a big question, but could you maybe share what would be the ideal experience journey? Sure. And it does make a huge difference whether you have a sore throat or whether you have a chronic illness. Those are two entirely different experiences. But generally, um, you know, there's so many things you can do. First, with the product itself, it's no accident that people strive to come up with a once a day version of things because anything more than once a day, it's been shown that uh, it just doesn't fit into people's lives and they really don't want to do that. I want to go back to a, a war story with Lipitor. High cholesterol is a symptomless condition. You just don't feel it. You don't, you know, and you don't feel it until you're a certain age and you have a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. So it's a, it's a real nuisance for people to take it every day. And um, what they basically did was Lipitor is extra strong. It reduces cholesterol way beyond where you need to be. And so the idea is, well, why should I take something like that? And uh, the research that we did was that uh, patients basically don't want to give up the sweet things in life. And I know this is horrible to say out loud for a healthcare thing, but they're not going to exercise and they're not going to diet and they're going to sit on the couch and watch sports and drink beer and eat a cheeseburger or pizza or something. So what Lipitor allows people to do is you can still do that because the pill is so strong that it brings down your cholesterol and you don't have to give up anything. Now, they'll never say that in their ads, but in fact, that's the, that's the insight in the customer experience just about the product itself is, is that, um, again, you don't have to change your lifestyle for you to, all you have to do is take this one pill in the morning and it'll take care of everything that's going to happen during the day and you don't have to worry about changing your lifestyle. You should probably because it'll help you, but that particular product uh, made a lot of money fitting into people's lives. Vince, you mentioned something there that I don't want to kind of gloss over and leave behind. You talked about, uh, I guess, like building the administration of a drug into people's daily routine, you know, having a drug that you take once a day. And I kind of want to unpack that a little bit because that's a really interesting observation. And there's obviously a whole bunch of research that has been done from the pharmaceutical industry on why that is and how it happens. And so, to, to make something effective, you obviously try and build it into a customer's life. You also mentioned, you know, bringing healthcare to the consumer. So, these are some really interesting practical tips, like what other things are healthcare brands doing to make it easy for the customer to get better and to take their drugs and see the results? First of all, um, dosages that are more complicated, like, like antibiotic dosages and things like that, um, they're using special packaging um, and labeling it very clearly on when and where you take it. So at the very level, you can use packaging to a certain degree for things like that or oral contraceptives, which you know actually mark the day um, you know, that you're supposed to take, take what and when and stuff like that. So the packaging is one thing. Another thing are apps. 
Um, now a lot of pharmaceuticals are coming out, or a lot of pharmaceutical companies, I should say, are coming out with apps that have an application across many different therapeutic areas. So what they tend to do is send reminders about when to take medication, um, do a points and reward system for complying with things that help whatever the medication is trying to achieve, like diet, like exercise, like uh, compliance, and things like that. There's a lot of patient portals that are created uh, on behalf of pharmaceuticals where it's, it actually is a way you can plug in and create your journey. It's like Weight Watchers is a great example of one, not in, the, not in the healthcare industry, but in the weight loss industry, where you go to this site and you register and you plug in a lot of your information and it gives you a lot of feedback on a daily basis. And if you can get that information on your phone, not just on a website or whatever, that really helps the engagement with the brand. And it's self-reinforcing. You see yourself achieving goals toward your health. And it's, again, a way, you know, you talk about the consumer. I talk about the resumer. They're trying to resume aspects of their life, lost illness. So this, again, helps them say, well, if you make it easy for me to, you know, to do, I can see it on my iWatch or I can see it on my my smartphone. Again, that's a way of really adding evaluated service that gives constant reinforcement along the way. You're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. And you can even chat with people who are also on that particular journey. And that's what a lot of people who are ill love to do is talk to other people with the same illness. So a lot of times these portals put people in touch with other people in chat rooms and stuff like that. One of the things I'd like to explore is sort of the, I suppose, the emotional side you know, in sort of the consumer products world, there's a lot of thought that's put into how a consumer feels. It'd be good to get your thoughts on, you know, healthcare products and which where healthcare, um, both products and providers are doing that well, where they, you know, really take in the sort of emotional considerations of the patient or the consumer. Um, and just what are some good examples that you've seen in that space? This is an area where you have both doctors and patients and they both have to feel good and their emotions with both. So let me take them one at a time, really. You've got, let me just start with the doctor, which is, it's very important to them that they feel good at their job and they need to feel smart and they need to feel reassuring and they need to feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for, responsible or they have a certain level of integrity. And healthcare brands, uh, you know, instead of just focusing on creating this emotion around the product itself. Uh, with doctors, it creates uh, an emotion around how they practice medicine. They're very concerned about not just how their patients feel about them, but how their colleagues feel about them as well. They're constantly benchmarking themselves. So they need to prescribe a drug or advocate for a brand or a service or a device that makes them feel heroic, that makes them feel smart, that makes them feel like you know they're really delivering the highest standard of care that they can put forth given the maybe limitations of either the condition or the tools they have at their disposal. Now, the patient, on the other hand, their emotions, they're usually in a very negative state uh, to begin with. There's frustration, there's fear, there's confusion. Um, these are very typical emotions that a drug or a device or a service has to deal with. So you're really, the emotions around a healthcare brand have to be the reverse of what those things are. So if there's fear, the customer experience has to be one about uh, reassurance that everything is all right and that you're going to get through this. If there's confusion, 
Uh, there's lots of educational initiatives that go. The more people know, the better they feel, quite frankly. There's a lot of education, not just promotion like buy me, buy me, buy me, but like, did you know this and did you know that? And are you aware that more people than you have this condition and this is the common complaint? And so basically, you know, where there's confusion, enlightenment is, a, is an emotion that we try to go for. So we try to look at what the negative the negative emotions are. And, and again, this is not something a consumer good product faces all the time. You know, people aren't angry or frustrated or confused. And we try to take those feelings and build into the brands the opposite of those negative feelings. We try to bring hope where there is doubt and concern. And we try to bring enlightenment where there is confusion. And we try to bring inspiration where there is hopelessness. So it's, it's a real heavy lift, if you will, as we say. It's a real heavy lift for, for the brand to do. So there's a lot of attention paid into how we can create a customer experience that turns the darkness into light, if you will. Vince, that's absolutely fascinating. Like, uh, I've never thought that fear is an emotion that we would be talking about, you know, in the terms of customer experience. The medical journey, I suppose, is often fraught with fear and uh, confusion and a lot of those emotions you were talking about, which must be monumentally difficult to to deal with. Can you maybe talk us through an example of, in your consulting uh, work, how you've helped design a customer experience to overcome some of those emotions? So, let me take a chronic condition of uh, multiple sclerosis, which doesn't have a cure. While you were asking me the question, I'm trying to think of where is the greatest fear. And the greatest fear with a condition like that is, it's or Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's disease, you know there's no cure. So, people are just deathly afraid. And multiple sclerosis, my, my mother had it, so I, I have two views of it. I have the professional view of a push, and I have the pull view from my mother trying to get get help for herself. And basically, the drug choices that you have are not great. And so you have a potentially detrimental experience that you have to go with, because the doctor on the one hand is like, damn, this! I know that there's no bingo answer to this. And I have a number of options, none of which are tremendously satisfying. And not only that, when you give a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, they don't hear you. They're like, you know, you're starting to talk to them about the therapy and stuff, and they're just not hearing you. It takes, it takes between four and six doctor visits for a patient to really understand that they've got this condition now that's going to change their whole life and that there's not a tremendous amount they can do to cure it, so they're going to have to figure out how to live with it. Avanex is the leading brand in uh, multiple sclerosis. It's a once-a-week injection of a beta interferon. But there are certain companies that actually did an injection a day to try and create a customer experience. I'm fighting every day. I'm giving myself a shot every day to try and take the fear away because it's very, you get the sense of control. Avanex is actually the leading brand because it's given once a week. So you can forget about your condition for a week at a time. And that's what eventually was the better customer experience. They take the fear away that I have to inject myself every day. Um, that takes the fear away that I'm going to have to remind everybody around me that I have this debilitating condition. And when you go into the doctor's office, they don't just give you a prescription for this. They give you kits. They're these little like boxes, and they contain an enormous amount of things 
that are attempting to get people uh, more comfortable with the idea. There are videos, there are DVDs, there are booklets, there are diaries that you can keep about things. There's a whole, and you can, as a customer, design what, what you want in your kit to help you deal with this on a daily basis. And all of that is done before the first prescription is written so that uh, with a chronic illness, if it's a fearful illness, the manufacturers don't want you to start taking the medication right away. They want you to get used to the fact that you have this medical condition. And maybe in a couple of weeks, you'll start taking therapy with it. But they give you a running start into it. And that's all part of the customer experience is getting you ready for therapy not just forcing the therapy down your throat from day one, because it'll be a failure. People will just, they will, they'll stop doing it. They'll do it for a little while and then they'll stop. So you, you really, um, that's one way you could take away the fear is day by day and week by week, you make it more acceptable to their lives that this is something that I've got to do. And over a period of time, resistance and fear become acceptance and a fighting spirit, if you will. As we talk about the different stakeholders that are involved in the healthcare journey, we've obviously got the patient, there's the doctor, but there's also a whole bunch of others. There's a couple of industries that we do see that have multiple stakeholders, but I guess from this conversation, it's quite apparent that the healthcare industry is expert at this problem. So, what can more consumer brands learn from the healthcare industry about how to manage multiple stakeholders in in a customer journey? It's a, it's a great question, um, and you're absolutely correct. It's, I often say that healthcare marketing is playing tennis with a higher net because you don't just have to worry about a one-to-one transaction between, you know, hey, I want to buy a brand of uh, radio. I go into the store, you know, I look for radios, I buy the radio. So look at what's connected there. It's, it's the, the radio buyer and the radio seller really. Those are the two people you have to really concern about. And like you said, you've got a lot of moving parts. You've got, um, you've got the main point of care, which is the doctor. You've got allied care, which is the nurse or the physician assistant, because that's who you usually meet when you first walk in. You've got pharmacists who are in the chain. You've got caregivers, especially in chronic illnesses. Let's say someone's going to buy a car. They don't decide to buy a car when they walk into the showroom to buy the car. There's a whole process. What does the family need in the car? Uh, What does the mother looking for? What are the kids looking for? Do they have a teenage son or daughter who's looking to inherit the car? And what goes into, you know, the idea of, okay, I've got to get insurance for the car. I've got to get financing for the car. If they map out the journey beyond just the, the single point of sale, I think they're going to find it. You can get someone ready to buy a car so that by the time they walk into the showroom, they've already bought the car in their minds. It's just a matter of exactly what price they're going to pay and what terms they're going to do. I would say what a consumer brand should do is take a step back and take a look at not just the point of sale, but when does the sale begin in people's minds? They're reading about it. They're talking to their friends about it. Maybe they're going shopping online about it. They're doing a variety of activities that is all part of the buying process. So if you're just focusing on the point of sale, you're missing a tremendous opportunity to talk to all the other stakeholders on that journey to have a, an actual purchase made. And the bigger the purchase, you know, a car is a big purchase, the more thought goes into that. 
I, I guess the, the follow-up question to that, Vince, is what is healthcare doing at a practical level to actually engage with all of those stakeholders? It's great to recognise that they all exist, but how do, you, uh, how do you control and engage with all these different stakeholders? I would say that when you're trying to sell healthcare, you're not actually selling a product. What you're trying to sell are a series of conversations. In order to buy a product, you have to have a series of conversations between maybe a patient and their spouse or a patient and their significant other. And that's a conversation that you want to try and create. Then you have the conversation that exists between the patient and the doctor or the patient and the allied health professional. And then you also have a conversation between the pharmacist and the patient because the whole buying chain, the whole customer experience is really the idea about fostering a series of conversations and making them positive conversations. So, Vince, welcome to the Quickfire Round, our game show segment where you've got 10 seconds to answer each question. Are you ready? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Your time starts at the end of the first question. Vince, what's at the top of your bucket list? I'd say traveling to Japan. I've never been. What brand or brands do you look up to? Um, Probably, I'd say... hmm. Um, Apple the most, I think. I think they really do get you. Um, it's, it's a great intuitive brand. It really gets customers. Talk about customer experience. It really gets customers. What skill are you terrible at? Uh, drawing. Uh, it, it, you know, that's the only art that I have no connection to whatsoever. It's the only thing I... I draw stick figures, so that's... I'm just really awful at that. I, that's why I have good designers working. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your guilty pleasure? Wine. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't even know if that's a guilty pleasure. Or men's magazines like Esquire and GQ. That's probably a better guilty pleasure. It's, <laughs> it's very vain. It's very vain. Vince, what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, don't be afraid of making mistakes. That really liberated me tremendously because you learn from mistakes. And mistakes are actually what advance your career just as much as successes do. And uh, it really... You know, when you, go, when you go ice skating, the first lesson they teach you is how to fall. And that, I think, is a really great thing. So you never worry about it anymore. The final question, what books have made an impact on you and why? I suppose and this is a really nerding sounding answer, but I, I love the writings of Sigmund Freud. There's a book of his called The Psychopathology of Everyday Life. And that basically talks about things that happen during your daily day that reinforce who you really are and what you're really about. I'm actually just laughing at the fact that um, that the book that Vince uh, heralds as the one he learned the most from has the word psychopath in it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a fi- there's a fine line, you know, between madness and genius. So. I love this quote of you're not selling a product, you're really wanting to engage in a series of conversations, which I think is so applicable across all healthcare. And I actually think that it's probably applicable outside of healthcare as well, but it's a topic for another day. You touch on the role of the pharmacy and the pharmacist. I'd, I'd be interested in your perspectives on what is a great pharmacy experience and what is a great pharmacist experience. Gee, that's an interesting one. Um, this usually it's a bad experience. <laughs> exactly. And, and maybe I'll give you some context. Uh, I know from working with a range of uh, folks in this industry is that they want to move away from selling product and being 
cut on prices and there's online discounters, there's, you know, mega warehouses that sell products cheaper. And so the role of the pharmacist is evolving into more services and that empathy connection piece is becoming more important than ever before. So like you said, they become that trusted advisor. I'm just sort of interested in where a great pharmacy experience is in this mix. I think that there's been a move more towards just, I don't know if you've heard the term pill pusher, but that's what pharmacists usually are. They, you know, I count the pills out and I give them. They move from that type of model to more of a consultative role. Whenever I go to the pharmacy, the first thing they say is, do you have any questions? Even before they say, are you here to pick up or anything that, you know, are you here to pick up? Yes. Do you have any questions before you even get the medication? And quite often that's, that's an area where they offer a way to talk that's almost like a second opinion to doctors. It's like, well, my doctor gave me this and it's like, I'm afraid because I have asthma and I didn't know if it's going to exacerbate my asthma. And they have a consult right there and they say, well, if you do feel that way, tell your doctor that there are these three other options that you might want to consider if it does exist. So they become part of a more consultative role. That's one way. Another way is the pharmacy is becoming a point of care, not just a place that dispenses medication. Yes, exactly. And, and different checkups and get free diabetes checks and heart disease checks and come have a conversation about weight loss as well. Like They're, they're basically becoming a lightweight GP. Exactly, exactly. And and that's the area that they're really creating very good experiences in. Because I don't know about you, but it, it's amazing that drugstores in the United States sell almost everything in addition to drugs. Uh, they'll sell candy and, and hair dye and, and greeting cards. And, you know, it's almost as like, where are the drugs? Where, you know, they're way in the back of the store. People are already coming in there. It's their daily life, you know, and here they have a great conversation. I can have a great conversation and I don't have to worry about pissing off the guy who gave me or the gal who gave me the prescription. I can actually have a third party consult that I don't have to worry about offending anybody and get a good idea about what I'm taking here. Uh, and while I'm there, I'm going to get a flu shot, you know, or I'm going to have my blood pressure taken or whatever the case is. When you make it that turnkey and that easy, I'd say that you're really going to, you know, have a special relationship. There's a drugstore chain in the United States called CVS, and they just bought Aetna, which is one of the largest healthcare insurance companies in the system. So what you're seeing now are you're seeing bundling of services at the higher corporate level. So imagine you have a drug chain that has drugs and distribution, and you have an insurance company. So that has just decreased the friction that exists between getting a drug and getting it paid for. They've automatically turned that into a uh, a seamless organization. And so you're going to see a lot more pharmacies. They're going to be partnering with a lot different kinds of different offerings to get more power, I think, in the customer service end of the business. As we wrap up, um, Vince, I, I want to finish on the importance around empathy and kind of emotional intelligence from the, the practitioner, because I think that's the one thing that, you know, computers and pamphlets can't replace. And it's the one thing that I need when I'm frustrated, angry, and, you know, I need to feel like the other person's like highly empathetic and uh, they understand my situation and, and I, I, I therefore then trust them and I go on that, uh, I want to go on that journey, I want to continue that conversation. In your experience, where do you see empathy and EQ in the mix? And if you have any, any thoughts around any practical tips and how to bring that to life more on the front-facing staff? Because like you said, if I 
do a medical degree or I'm a pharmacist, I was trained in being excellent with my medical knowledge. I wasn't probably trained deeply in how to be highly empathetic and how to take a patient on that ride. So I'd, I'd be interested in, in your view on that, uh, on that, on that topic. Yeah, there's, there's sort of an emerging model. Because doctors are getting squeezed, they are looking to provide more of a support service than just diagnosing and prescribing. They've almost been reduced to, in fact, a lot of their prescribing habits have been taken out of their hands and given to formularies and insurance companies about what it is they'll pay for for a second or third. And they, they've been reduced to diagnosticians, and they don't like that. So there's an emerging topic called compassionate care. And sometimes that's associated with end stage of life care, which is not, that's not what we're talking about here. It should be at any, uh, at any moment, right? From, from the sore toe all the way to a chronic, uh, there should be compassion all the way along because I, I'm, I'm suffering. Exactly, exactly. So, for example, you know, it, it can start in the waiting room even where, you know, there are things for people to do. There's either a television to watch or whatever the case is. But when the, they start the visit, the visit isn't just about what's wrong with you today. The compassionate care model is more along the lines of, let me just talk to you about your routine. Um, I've been to the doctor recently, and again, there's tremendous competition. So if you're a compassionate care provider, you're, you have a customer experience here that's just beyond the rudimentary transaction of, my arm hurts, give me something to heal that. I could shop for doctors, I don't, you know, and they know that. So the one that practices compassionate care is the one that sits with me for five minutes and just says, how's your family? How's work? And so the diagnosis goes from just the physical diagnosis to a sort of a holistic diagnosis of the person's life and where the medication is just a part of that. They're really getting more involved in understanding where the patients are coming from. So there's a whole series of questions to understand the human being that's walking into the office, not just the patient. Patient's a terrible definition. It implies literally someone who's passive, who is just a recipient of information and care. I call them resumers. You know, they're in there trying to, I'm making a pit stop, if you will, and I'm trying to resume my life and get in and out of that situation in as pleasant experience as possible. So doctors are now spending a lot more than five minutes with you. They're spending about 12 to 15 minutes with you if they're doing a compassionate care model. And when you walk out of there, you really feel cared for. You feel heard much beyond just, oh, they gave me a prescription, you know, and, and sent me on my way. So that, that, I think, is a brand of medicine that's increasingly born out of the fact that there's been a lot of competition and that doctors have to market themselves a lot better than they have ever before. And I guess like it's it's worth noting that, you know, we are more than just uh, our condition that we're pr presently um, dealing with. You know, we have a life and that life will impact on your medical symptoms and those symptoms in turn impact back on your life. So, it's quite pertinent for physicians and doctors and primary carers to be considering the whole picture. Vince, thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's always great talking to you guys.
Well, 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 Michael, what a really fascinating discussion we had with Vince. Um, A lot of things I'd never really thought of before and some great takeaways that not only apply to healthcare, but across a broad spectrum of industries. So, this is our debrief section where we sum up our key takeaways. Do you want to take us away with the first one? Yeah, sure. The first thing that stood out to me was thinking about how doctors actually feel or that medical practitioner when they're the ones prescribing or giving guidance. And I think we probably tend to think about it so much from the end the end point, whether it's the patient or the, the consumer, um, but actually having the doctor and think about the environment and ensuring that they feel great, they feel smart, they feel heroic. And how much of our time do we spend thinking about our retail staff? What is it that we want them to feel when they make the transaction or our call center staff when they hang up the phone or that policy advice that we've just given for the actual person, ensuring that they feel great will make a tremendous difference to that end customer experience. So that was something that you know definitely goes along uh, hand in hand with sort of internal company culture and employee engagement. But I think it's actually even a little bit more than that. It's like, how do you want them to feel at that moment of engagement and at that sort of moment of truth? That was a really, really interesting takeaway for me. One of the takeaways that I had was really about how healthcare is really great at, I guess, like taking people along the journey and holding their hand through what is quite often a very difficult, challenging and frightening experience. Mm. Um, And so, you know, Vince spoke quite a lot about how doctors and physicians and also allied health kind of hold people's hands through through that journey um, and really lead it with education, informing people why things need to happen rather than just saying you need to do X, Y, Z, really going through that education piece. And I think also there's an element of reassurance that needs to happen through that process as well. So, when we think about how other brands, um, you know, whether it's retail or consumer goods can go through this, there's obviously um, a lot of processes and procedures that are sometimes quite difficult. If we can remove that friction by educating people and taking them through that journey piece by piece and hold their hand, then that's going to have a great impact on how people perceive that experience. The other takeaway that stood out for me kind of goes quite nicely with with that sort of leading with education is you're not selling a product, but you really need to be thinking about it as a series of conversations. And I actually think that translates into pretty much everything we should be doing. And that is not just this one-time product or this one-time service, but you want to be focusing on how do we continue this as an ongoing conversation. And I like the word conversation because it implies that we're going to continue to build this relationship together. Yes, by ensuring that I feel great in that process, that you feel great and that you feel safe doing that with education. But knowing that it's a it's an ongoing series of conversations was a really, really nice takeaway. And then the final one was, I mean, we talked a lot about compassion and emotional intelligence through that interview. And, you know, again, it's not just healthcare uh, and pharmaceuticals where this is important, but, you know, translating this to basically any industry, and and I'm going to use the word people here rather than customer, people want to feel like they're being listened to. If you're an expert, whether you're a hairdresser who's an expert at cutting hair or, uh, you know, someone at Bunnings who, you know, knows the particular materials you need to recommend for someone to make a deck, or if you're a healthcare professional, a doctor recommending a treatment option, you don't want to rush straight to the solution. You may know it, but you need to really listen to people and, again, take them on that journey because... We are people. We don't want this to just be a, a, a transaction. So, it is about compassion and listening and, uh, and, and really caring. Great. So, just uh, wrapping that up, the key takeaways were firstly, ensuring that the doctor 
is feeling great in providing that guidance and advice. So, thinking about that as your employees who are providing the service and what it is that you want them to feel. Secondly was leading the customer journey with education. And I had really thinking about it not as a product or as a, a, a sale in isolation, but a series of conversations. And of course, listening, listening to people and giving that emotional intelligence and compassion. If you'd like to check out Vince's book, you can find it on Amazon. It's available in ebook or paperback, the, the dead tree version, uh, as I call it. Um, <laughs> it's called Identity Crisis by Vince Parry. We will pop a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, and I actually find his uh, blog really insightful as well. Go to parrybrandinggroup.com. He's got an excellent blog there. We would love to get connected with you. One of the things that we're really excited about is the growing listenership of the show. So, thanks for your support and and your wonderful messages. We love uh, hearing what you took away from it. Sometimes you may have some takeaways that we we missed or what you'd like to maybe see in future shows. The best way to connect with uh, Adam and myself is on LinkedIn. Uh, You can search for for me. I'm Michael Momsen. And I'm Adam Jaffrey. And just on that, Michael, I've had quite a few people contact me on LinkedIn the past uh, couple of weeks to share their appreciation of the show. One of the actually said that they're giving out recommendations for particular episodes to clients. So, (laughs) it's great. I'm really happy to hear that. And we love hearing from everybody's feedback. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is produced by Rated, the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback. If you're not getting good results from mystery shoppers or are sick of sending annoying surveys to your customers, the team at Rated have some really innovative ways for you to get feedback from your customers to help build delightful experiences for them. To find out more, head to rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. This podcast is created in partnership with Wavelength Creative. It was produced by me and Christopher Lawson, who also edited and mixed the show. Our theme music is by Icolix, Peter Cooley and The Shrugs. Just a reminder to reach out to Michael or myself on LinkedIn. We love hearing from all of the Customer Experience Leaders fans and we read and respond to every single note that you send us. Until next time, I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.